Welcome to the HRS Podcast, the show about things that can go wrong in the workplace and how to avoid them. This show is sponsored by ECDESC, a firm that uses a unique polling method to spot problems in the workplace, from interpersonal issues like harassment, underutilized talent, or even financial and accounting concerns. After the show, learn more at ECDESC.com. That's E-K-D-E-S-K.com. And if you like what you hear, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. But for now, I'm your host, Andrew Jennings. Our topic today is the HR leader's potential, about the risks HR leaders and their teams face when they don't fully develop as executives and trusted business advisors. Joining us to discuss this topic are Kerry Ulrich and Kelly Gunther, the founders of the Abraci Group, an HR consulting firm that offers services including diagnostics and assessments, coaching, solutions for urgent people issues, and leadership development. Carrie is the author of the HR leadership book, The Way of the HR Warrior, which will give us a lot to talk about for today's topic. Carrie, Kelly, welcome to the HR Risk Podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Before we jump into today's topic, could you tell us a little bit more about your background and the work you've been doing? Hi, this is Carrie. So let me give you a, a quick background. I've been in HR for a little bit over 20 years now, and so I've worked at big companies, Fortune 500. I've worked in startups. I've worked in manufacturing, professional services, and worked on the generalist side and ran an employee relations center. So certainly know all those wonderful phone calls that we get when you have (laughs) 50,000 associates out a day. Those are some of the most fun. That's a whole nother podcast of calls. And then also the specialist role. So working in talent and organizational development and doing succession planning, performance management. I cannot even think of how many times I've overhauled performance management. It seems like every year we would do something. So did all that within the HR. And now Kelly and I started our own business. So now we're doing on the consulting side of it. And on the educational side, I have been in love with kind of humans and psychology since I majored in psychology and business and then ended up getting my PhD in human development and organizational systems. So I'm always around kind of what's going on with the human, how does the system impact the human. And I think overall, I love HR because part of it, it's kind of an underdog. So most people don't like it, has kind of a bad perception. And I always loved all the films about underdogs. I kind of like that people don't like you so much and you got to fight for it and and change their minds around. So it's kind of one of the reasons I love being in HR. Plus, you do amazing things and you can impact lives like no other department in the company. So that's my background. And this is Kelly. Again, thanks, Andrew, so much for having us on. My background is actually in learning and development. That's my first love. So To be able to see people grow and develop and push themselves, reach new confidence levels in the classroom is so fulfilling for me. And I wanted to continue learning more about HR because it isn't just learning and development, what I I consider to be the fun side of HR. There's also the very realistic and very necessary side of the HR generalist world. So I started to learn about that and be part of even more strategic conversations with leaders. So I love the ability to influence. I love the ability to help and coach, counsel, advise leaders. And I appreciate the willingness they have to let HR in because that isn't always the case in every organization. So I've had the fortune of working with IT companies in professional services, healthcare, nonprofits manufacturing. So I've seen a lot of different uses of HR, so to speak, some leaders who really get HR and embrace HR, and some that they're not quite there. 
So I've had the fortune of being able to be involved in many different environments, but always pushing myself to learn more than I did previously. You described HR as being a little bit of an underdog in the workplace setting, and that's one thing that has drawn you to it. And Carrie, you've authored a book along those lines with a pretty intriguing title. It's The Way of the HR Warrior, which partly touches on that theme of HR being an underdog and the ability to sort of transcend the Toby Flinderson stereotype from the office. Uh, <laughs> at, at just a high level, what is an HR warrior and what does it mean to be one? Yes, you use in the book we talk about Toby and how he's definitely an HR weenie. So if you take kind of what is a warrior, it's really the opposite of what people of a Toby. And so I know we have a kind of a paragraph in the book that the HR warrior, but for me, it's that high performing business leader who happens to be in HR. And you bring to the table when you're a warrior, because you could be a warrior in any profession. You can be in IT and finance and legal and as a COO, you can be a warrior. And what are those qualities? It's that person that you know the project's not going to be as good. The outcome won't be as good if this person's not on the project. It's that person you're like, you know, we're missing someone. We need to have him or her on this project. They will bring not only the HR perspective, not only that, because that's your functional expertise, so you have to bring that to the table, but you're also bringing, hey, did you think about it this way? Or how would this, you know, I'm reading this in Inc. Magazine, and they said X, Y, and Z about this type of business. And do you think we should be in that type of business? Or what's a different scenario we could look at? Or how can we do scenario planning? So it's someone who brings so much to the table that it's just missing when they're not there. And so to me, that's an HR warrior and you're just doing it in HR space and you are absolutely not a Toby understand. I don't even remember his last name. I just know him as Toby because <laughs> it's so depressing. The complete opposite of that. So as everyone doesn't want you to be around, this is where people want you to be in their project. And they don't even say like, oh, we need the HR person. They say, oh, we need Kelly in that project or we need Andrew in that project because they are going to help us. That's a warrior. One thing that you really emphasize is that there's an unfortunate expectation oftentimes that HR is there for a functionary role to manage paperwork, to process forms. And I think you make a good point. That wouldn't be acceptable for any other business function in a company. For a logistics department to mm -hmm. just say, oh, well, we, mm -hmm. we put out the purchase orders and we accept the purchase orders and we send out invoices and we pay invoices and that's what our role is. That wouldn't be an acceptable answer for a high-performing company, at least. A logistics mm -hmm. department should be of the mind that we figure out how to get things just in time, how we figure out how to reduce costs to get better materials, whatever it is that we do as a logistics department. Mm -hmm. uh, we don't just push paper around, and, and that's an unfortunate expectation that I think HR is, is really trying to move past. In the book, you provide a diagnostic for HR professionals to assess whether they're HR warriors, HR wishfuls, or HR weenies. Could you tell us a little bit more about those categories, uh, what they are, and which one professionals should strive to be? I, I kind of can gather from the connotations of the words that one is preferable to the other, but I kind of, where do they fall uh, in, in the career progression for an HR leader? Sure. This is Kelly. And, and you're right. They don't leave that much to the imagination, Andrew, but they're very necessary. And like anything in life where you're going on a diet, for example, it's important to get on the scale and understand where you are in comparison to where you want to be, because that will help you determine the actions that you need to take to move from where you are, again, to where you want to be. So the same thing holds true with the assessment. It's all designed to be a way for you to look intrinsically within yourself, be honest, and answer the questions in the assessment to determine whether you are an HR weenie, 
HR Wishful or HR Warrior. First start with HR Weenie. An HR Weenie is someone who there's a lot of opportunity, there's a lot of growth maybe needed for that individual, but there are some key behaviors, if you will, behavioral anchors that are discussed in the book. Things like resisting change, being the first one to say no, you know, or using no as a reflex answer rather than looking at the opportunity to explore and maybe do something differently. Being the compliance police and really only being known for that as opposed to being known for having conversations and coaching leaders or employees. Overanalyzing and over-designing something to the point where now it's almost too confusing and too corporate, if you will. So an HR weenie is someone that has, there's a lot of opportunity to grow, which is a good thing. So it's going to be up to that individual to determine, do I want to take the steps necessary to move the needle and maybe change my behavior to become an HR warrior. An HR wishful is someone who sees that there's opportunity, but also recognizes that there are strengths that they have within themselves. So there are things that they do really well. They rock the house. They have the adoration of the business, but there might be opportunities and there might be areas where they feel like they're failing. They're falling short of the mark they need to hit. And they're looking for the next way to develop and guide themselves to becoming an HR warrior. It's really that middle ground where there's that opportunity to grow as well. An HR warrior, as we define in the book, is a professional who can be counted on to get the job done right, to exceed expectations, to inspire others, and set expectations that increase the work output of everyone around them. They're constantly pushing, they're constantly looking for ways to reinvent themselves, understand the complexity of the HR function, and how to maybe reinvent it for their business. They see their work as an opportunity to have a positive impact on the business every day. So everybody fits into one of those categories, and it's really something worth diagnosing and assessing whether you're in the latter two categories, because that really shows that there's opportunity to improve, not that once you're at that HR warrior stage, there is an opportunity to continue growing with that tier. A theme that a number of guests on this show have raised, and that I really saw in this book too, was HR seat at the table, and how it's not just about having a seat at the table where you take notes or maybe answer questions or act in a reactive way, but where you're actively contributing to the leadership and goals of the business. And, and of course, that can literally mean a literal seat at the table or more figuratively and, and broadly, just that leadership role that you fill. How does the seat at the table theme fit into being an HR warrior in your view? So this is Carrie, and it kind of builds on when you ask kind of what is an HR warrior. And so let me take a step back on why we even wrote the book, because I think we found that people weren't at the table, the proverbial table that we keep talking about. So when I took over an HR team, there was uh, they did not have the best reputation. And there was a vice president that I talked to, and he told me, he said, I don't even invite the HR person to my team meetings. So he had team meetings with finance sales, supply chain, everyone. And he literally did not invite the HR person, just didn't invite. So the person was not at the table. When I asked why and what is it that this person needs to do? And he said, you just need to understand the business and understand it not by quoting, do you know your EBITDA is this and the profit was this and just kind of be a robot about it, but understand really what my concern as a leader, what are the dynamics going on? How can you warn me that, did you know that over here on the West Coast, they're doing it this way and she's getting in trouble for doing it this way? You might not want to do it this way. Like, how can you guide me? That's what he wanted as his HR warrior at the table. And that's how we figured out the book because there were so many people who weren't doing it right and weren't getting that seat at the table that we asked a lot of business leaders, what do you want and what do you need? And what are those qualities out of an HR person? 
that would then sit at the table with you. And that's how we came up with the charge framework, which is about those qualities that an HR warrior needs to be at the table. So leaders, it's kind of funny. It's one of the only professions that you can, that departments, you could just not invite. I mean, could you imagine if you didn't invite finance, someone would get mad at you. How come you didn't invite finance? But HR is so like, yeah, you don't have to invite them. Just do it around and tell them what you did. So it really is incumbent upon us to show how wonderful we are because we don't get the easy seat at the table. Like, and I make fun of finance so much. I'm sorry, finance. But finance kind of have to be there because there's money. Well, in a way, HR should be there too because there's people. But for some reason, companies tend to say, eh, we don't really need them at the table. So you really have to prove your worth and how much you can understand the business and really understand that leader and help that leader and that leadership team. And then while balancing the voice of the employees and not letting the leader get away with stuff, if the leader's not doing well, you got to have that space to say, hey, it's not going well. And, and we got to talk about this. The employees are pretty unhappy and, and we should do something. You mentioned the charge framework and in, in the book, you provide a framework for how to become an HR warrior and how to assess your progress for that goal. And, and charge is a, an acronym, C-H-A-R-G-E. Could you give our listeners just a high level overview of, of what this model is? And obviously the book goes into more detail, but just kind of in the time that we have. Sure. This is Kelly. I love the charge framework. One, because it's easy. It ties along very naturally to our HR warrior theme, charging ahead. But the idea is these are things that if I'm a true HR warrior, I'm able to demonstrate these in the work that I do. These are qualities that are essential and vital to the success of an HR warrior. So the first one being courage. Being able to demonstrate courage can look like different things to different people. But an example, very easy to kind of put yourself into would be being the one to say the thing on everyone's mind, but maybe no one has the courage to say to a business leader. Being able to put yourself out there, to be able to say what is on everyone's mind, but they might be lacking that true faith and to move past the fear of maybe the repercussions of what could happen if I say that thing. An HR warrior who says that is demonstrating courage and that's so vital to that person's success. The next is humility. Knowing where your role ends and sometimes where your role ends. You can be a coach, counselor, advisor to the business for sure. But sometimes the business will make decisions that you maybe don't always agree with. So being able to recognize that you've done everything you can, step aside, let the chips fall where they may, and know that if the decision they make maybe doesn't end up the way they thought it would, and for the positive, that you don't use the opportunity to say, see, I told you so. You use the opportunity to regroup with them, find out what can we do to work through the situation, find the next best logical solution, and still be an advisor to them in the process. A is accuracy, and it's all about really getting to root cause. What is the reason why an issue is happening? My favorite being in the learning and development role was training. A lot of uh, leaders would come to me and say, I need customer service training for my team. They're not doing their job. Rarely would I often take them at their word, not because I was trying to challenge them or poke holes in their assumption, but I want to better understand what the true issue was so that one, if it was a training solution that was needed, we know that and have the confidence to know that we're doing the right thing because training obviously is a lot of time, a lot of effort, and in a lot of cases, a lot of money. In many of my conversations with leaders, what I'd often find out after asking a number of questions to get to the root cause is now it happens to be a couple of individuals who might be acting out or choosing to behave in a way that isn't tied to the objective of the department or the company. So having accuracy and employing that and not necessarily going with the first reaction is incredibly helpful for you as an HR warrior. 
Um, next, we have resiliency, which when we would talk with HR professionals, many will raise their hand and say, I've got that. And that's a good thing because HR can be a very lonely road, especially if you're a team of one or even if you're in a larger team. The issues that you're dealing with are very personal to people, dealing with people's jobs, which means that someone has to lose their job. That's a conversation that you help a leader have or maybe you have to have yourself, but it can leave you feeling pretty empty inside and it can make you feel very sometimes alone. And so know that you've got people who support you. And it's important to center yourself around people who have your back that you can go to, ask questions, and are trusted advisors for you in the process. Then we have goal orientation, which is obviously the G in charge. And goal orientation is all about showing the value that you possess in HR to the business. So making sure your goals are aligned to the business goal. Again, it makes it that much harder than for there's a difficult decision to be made. It makes it hard for the business to say, you know what, I really don't know what HR does, so maybe we could reduce an individual or an employee from that department. Showing the value and being able to articulate it to the business is imperative, and someone who's an HR warrior is a natural at doing that. And then finally, we have exemplary. What does it mean to be exemplary? It's really being a role model to self, to your team, to employees in the organization, as well as other business leaders not asking them to do something that you aren't already doing or haven't already done. So for example, performance management. If we're rolling out performance management as HR, the reality is that if I'm leading HR and I allow our team to fall to the wayside, not do it, be late, I'm not really a role model. I'm not acting exemplary in the eyes of other business owners. They may say, well, why is she asking us to do it when they're not doing it themselves? I think that's a, a wonderful overview and, and it really tees up the, the value of the book and the, the book goes into a lot of very practical best practices for how to implement these steps and how to achieve them. I, I thought one really concrete example from the accuracy factor is if a company needs to do layoffs because that's just a strategic need in one part of the company, uh, it makes sense to look and see, okay, well, are other parts of the company hiring and maybe we can make that transition for uh, some employees rather than needing to, to lay everybody off. And it also meets the needs of other parts of the company too, so we don't have to do that recruiting. And I thought that was a, a pretty easy approach to take that that can help reduce or mitigate some of those risks or problems. Just as you discuss the HR warrior, HR wishful, and HR weenie spectrum of HR professionals, you also provide a spectrum for organizations themselves when it comes to HR. You classify them as HR problem versus HR potential uh, versus HR promoter. Could you describe what those are and Again, it's not hard to guess which one is, is the better place to be, uh, but how can HR leaders nudge their organizations in the right direction on that spectrum? Uh, this is Carrie. Yeah, no, we didn't make these labels too hard to understand. <laughs> we certainly, <laughs> they're pretty clear. When Monica and I created the assessment for HR, we started with the assessment for HR, so are you a weenie warrior or wishful? And then we thought, you know, there's a lot of warriors out there who still have a hard time getting things done. And we didn't want this book to feel like a brick to your head, like you're a warrior and you still can't make it work. And we thought there is this other part of the equation is the organization. So we came up with this kind of two by two grid and we talked about what do organizations look like? Cause we all know there's some organizations who embrace HR 
There's some who don't get it, and there's some who actually don't want it. And so when you look at the HR problem, that's very much an organization who does not want HR, doesn't see the value of HR, and typically isn't very open to seeing it. The HR potential is a company who's really thinking like, well, I don't know about it, but I'm open and I'll like, give me your ideas. So you really need to be either kind of HR wishful or HR warrior at that type of company because they're interested, but you kind of have to prove yourself. And a promoter is a company that totally gets HR. You report to the CEO. There's no question that you're on the leadership team and they look at you for root cause analysis for things. If there's an issue going, God, you know, we're going to have a merger instead of calling you the day before you're in on it from day one going, okay, it's going to be huge for our employees. What are your kind of thoughts on this? What should we do? And I think leaders I've dealt with, I've interviewed with leaders who have said, HR, I don't like it. And I've had horrible experiences with it. And in a way they kind of fall into that problem potential and promoter as well. So there are leaders who don't get it, but they're open. And I think those are the leaders that HR need to find. You need to find the ones who are open to the idea and then you could make, oh, they're such great advocates when you turn it around and you they see, oh my gosh, HR is amazing. And then you set the bar for how HR should be. I think those promoter companies, you know them, you can kind of tell when you interview with them. But the ones that are most dangerous that HR needs to kind of identify and then perhaps not work with them or figure out a different way to work with other leaders to gain traction. Are there some leaders who seriously don't want HR? And you can ask them. I've asked a couple of leaders. I asked one leader, what, what do you want out of HR? What does success look like for you? Which is a great question because they have to articulate something. And this guy just said, huh, you know, I just want you do COBRA and uh, compliance and be in the background. Huh. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's a pretty clear that he would be in the HR problem category. Others have said to me, you know, I don't get HR, but what, what can you do for me kind of thing. So that would be more of the potential category. So I think you do have to find those leaders. And if it is a leader that's a severe problem, that's, we talk about that in the book too, is okay, then you have to, you have to come up with other strategies. And one of those strategies might be that you're not there because some of the leaders really just don't get it. This is where HR, we talk about knowing what you're walking into, right? So kind of know that people might not appreciate you or you have to know the situation. And I think with leaders, you wouldn't say that about finance. Like I don't get finance, I don't need finances or whatever. But HR is so much about psychology and people and, and giving feedback to the leader. And so you know, research is out there that a disproportionate number of leaders are narcissists and a disproportionate number of CEOs are antisocial personality. So HR is the is like the, the stick that's poking or, or picking at that scab of the people issue. And so if I'm antisocial, I'm a narcissist, I certainly don't want feedback. I don't want to hear that people aren't happy. I don't want to hear that I disengage my team. So HR is going full into a potentially dangerous situation, whereas finance doesn't have to you know, I might not like finance or whatever, but they're there and they're not fronting my own personality. They might just say we're losing money and I can blame someone else for that. But HR is coming in and talking about me as a leader. That's really tough stuff for people who are not equipped to deal with. So it's a more dangerous profession from that perspective. And another reason why some people just don't want to get around because I don't want to hear the feedback. I just don't want to even listen to these people. So Part of the opportunity of HR and maybe to some part of the, the threat of HR is that it's a, mm -hmm. a mirror in a lot of ways and it'll reflect mm -hmm. a lot of things yep. back to, to folks. If our listeners want to learn more about this topic, where can they go for that? 
So certainly we welcome you to visit amazon.com to purchase the way of the HR warrior. And we would love your feedback too, to post a review. We, we love to, to check out what your thoughts are. But essentially, you know, as well with Abrachi Group, we love to learn about HR teams and work with HR teams, whether it is team building, team interventions, learning and development, HR compliance, or development programs for your organization. We're certainly here for you and we'd love to talk. Um, and then last but not least, we are offering HR Warrior workshops, both in person and virtual. Visit our website, check it out. We know you are busy people, but your development is really important and make sure you invest in yourself and become that HR Warrior you always wanted to be. Okay, great. And I will put a link to both the Amazon link and a link to the Abrachi group on the show notes. Carrie, Kelly, thank you for joining the HR Risk Podcast. Oh, thank, thank you, you for so having much. us. We've enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on another episode of the HR Risk Podcast. If you like what you heard, please subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, we always welcome sharing the podcast with HR professionals. You can find notes for today's episode at ekdescom slash podcast. That's E-K-D-E-S-K dot com slash podcast. Until the next episode, I'm your host, Andrew Jennings.